It's the last show before Christmas. What does your team have on their Christmas wish list? Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer and podcaster, and thank you for making this your first listen every single day. And if you're trying to figure out what to get your favorite team for Christmas, we've got a couple ideas today. And I want to start off with something that came up on Wednesday in our Winners and Losers show that was a little overshadowed by the Carlos Correa to the Mets thing, but... The Baltimore Orioles haven't really given their fans a lot of gifts in free agency. Let's kind of take stock of what they did. You brought in 35-year-old Kyle Gibson on a one-year deal. You just uh, you signed Adam Frazier, who can play both second base and outfield, on a one-year deal. And you signed reliever Michael Gibbons. And you traded for catcher James McCann from the Mets for a player to be named later. Now, let's kind of look at all of these and look at what we need to figure out and what we're counting on here for the Orioles to contend in 2023. Uh, The James McCann deal, you don't need James McCann to carry your staff. Obviously, Obviously, you have Adley Rutschman. James McCann is veteran insurance, and he's not even costing you that much. He's got two years and $24 million left on his deal. The Mets are paying 19 of the 24 million. The compensation is a player to be named later. Four or five names were given by Baltimore to the Mets. As I understand it, none of them are prospects of note. It's not expected to be anybody you're going to hurt to lose. This was the Mets just wanting to get rid of James McCann because they had too many catchers and needed Francisco Alvarez to have a spot next season. There are there, there is good things to like about the acquisition of James McCann. Uh, as far as he's a veteran leader, uh, this is a pretty young team, especially a position player-wise. So you get a young guy. In 2019 with the White Sox, he was an all-star. 273, 328, 460, 18 home runs in 118 games. So he, like, he had IL stints in 20 and 21 and struggled a little bit in New York, but for the most part, But James McCann's a perfectly fine option to work as a backup to a stud like Adley Rutschman. And there's going to be more position players, young position players coming up uh, and having significant time. I mean, Gunnar Henderson, you'll get a full season of him, obviously. uh, Probably playing shortstop. You plugged in Adam Frazier at second base. But there's flexibility with other guys who you want to play where as far as Mateo and things like that. Uh, Kyle Stowers is probably the first outfielder to come up. I feel like that's a little more likely than Colton Kowser. Colton Kowser feels like a second half kind of guy to me. And then the next wave behind that's a Hessen Kierstad. Uh, Kierstad just missed so much development, looked pretty good in the fall league, still struck out a lot. And they're just the, the Orioles like to give their guys plenty of, of appearances, plenty of at-bats at the, at the AAA level before they call them up. The things... The thing to me, the big shock here is that you didn't go out and necessarily get somebody for the rotation. Yes, you brought in Kyle Gibson. He's replacing Jordan Lyles because Jordan Lyles signed a two-year deal with the Royals. And so 
You know, you didn't go out and get a Nathan Eovaldi or a Michael Walker, never mind the big guys that were available like a Rodon or things like that. And so it's it's just kind of like internal options. Like, look at who you used last year. You had Dean Kramer, Austin Voth, Kyle Bradish, Spencer Watkins, Tyler Wells. And everybody had different kind of different outcomes. Kramer had like a like an ERA under three and a half, you know, 20-plus starts. Bradish did really well against the Astros. Um, Wells was really good in the first half of the season. Voth was limited innings, 80 innings, but was pretty good. ERA around three. Uh, Watkins wasn't necessarily great, but you're just banking on internal improvements. And yes, you have Grayson Rodriguez. Definitely going to get to him, but you also are counting on John Means. He had Tommy John surgery last April. And so it feels foolish to count on him for any sort of meaningful innings this year. I understand it was earlier in the year, but the time frame is typically, you know, 15 to 18 months is what you're looking at. And this is a situation where it's literally been 12 and you're, you know, in the new, the new season's here and you're expecting him, him to contribute. Now, don't get me wrong. I think Grayson Rodriguez can do a lot for the Baltimore Orioles. Look at, look at what Grayson Rodriguez has. You would have seen him last year if it wasn't for that latch strain, but... 2018 first rounder out of high school, 14 starts in AAA last year. Because again, the lat strain kind of messed everything up. He missed a big chunk of time in the middle of the year and wasn't able, well, by the time he came back, wasn't able to impact the big league roster. But uh, 14 games in AAA, 6-1 record. We don't care that much about record the minors, but it's noteworthy. 220 ERA in 69 and two-thirds innings. 21 walks to 97 strikeouts. And he's going to be very good. Don't, don't get me wrong. I absolutely, this is one of the few prospects where I'm like, this dude could be a number one pitcher. I mean, the fastball is a 70 grade. It sits upper 90s. He can touch 100 with it. Has absolutely pinpoint control of where it goes, right? Can put can dot can dot it exactly where he wants to put it. Uh, the slider, probably also a seventy grade pitch. Uh, he throws it low eighties, so like eighty to eighty five, and is really adept at manipulating the shape of the pitch depending on what on what he wants it for. He can land it in the strike zone on a shorter, harder break a couple times, and then when you go to swing at it, you're like, I'm not letting another slider land for a strike. He can just have it sweep off the plate and get you to chase. I mean, he can do a lot of stuff with it. The changeup is plus. Has kind of a screwball-like action. It's not something that he... Like, he he throws it more than he used to. Curveball's above average. And then he has a cutter that he's worked on that he throws a lot more now than he used to that also looks like it could be an above average to plus pitch. Uh, just tons of tools. The delivery super repeatable. The control's there. And so, yes... You're going to get Grayson Rodriguez, hopefully, for a full season. But your rotation is still, I mean, it's Gibson, Bradish, Kramer, Wells. You know, some combination of these guys. Uh, Because, again, I don't think you can count on John Means for meaningful innings in 2023. Um, He had surgery on April 27th of 2022 for Tommy John. And, again, that's like an 18-month rehab. We always talk about... You know, it's the it's not the year they come back. It's the year after when you can actually count on them to do something. So, 
Uh, still wish the Orioles would do more. I wish they would go out, uh, get another pitcher or two. Like I mentioned, Michael Walker's out there. We've discussed uh, lots of possible trades for different guys. We'll get some of those a little later in the show as well. Uh, but plenty of things out there you can go and do. Just need Baltimore to do something because it feels like the Yankees spent a bunch of money and then other than adding Carlos Rodon, haven't necessarily added talent to their team. They've just spent more money to replace the guys they had. Uh, Boston is obviously hurting right now, not doing well. So it definitely looks like you're in a situation where you absolutely could could push for a playoff spot this year. And I think, I, I absolutely think that that's something that Baltimore should spend some money to do. In just a minute, I want to get to the Yankees, speaking of not adding a ton of talent, and figuring out what they need to do for left field. But first, today's episode is brought to you by the NHTSA. Did you know that driving high is considered driving under the influence? That's right. Driving under the influence of marijuana is against the law in every state, even in states where marijuana is legal. And that means driving high can get you a DUI. If you think law enforcement officers can't tell when you're driving high, you are wrong. Your friends can tell, your coworkers can tell, even your parents can tell. Everyone can tell. So what makes you think that law enforcement officers don't know when you're driving high? Driving under the influence of marijuana can slow your response time and change your, like how you perceive time and speed. So if, even if you think you're fine to drive when you're high, you are not. Because the bottom line is, if you feel different, you drive different. And driving high is driving under the influence. So remember, drive high, get a DUI. Okay, so one of the big conversations that we see kind of going around a lot is about what uh, what the New York Yankees are going to do as far as continued free agency and specifically uh, left field. They traded for Andrew Benatendi during the year. They were not able to re-sign him. Uh, he, he left, went to the White Sox on a longer d- deal. And so now you're in a position of how do the New York Yankees uh, fix left field. I've got a couple. There's a couple options. If you go in free agency, uh, obviously not a ton of amazing options, right? Uh, Michael Conforto is probably the best known option that's left. Uh, apparently, the Yankees did check in on Michael Brantley. And he resigned went back to the Astros. But if you think about Michael Conforto, he had the shoulder injury and missed the entire year last year. And there are some questions among teams. I don't know if the Yankees feel this way, but there are some teams that are questioning whether or not he can make all of the throws needed to be made from left field. And so there are some teams that view him just as a DH while he finishes getting the strength back in the shoulder. And so that's a situation where the Yankees have a DH and Giancarlo Stanton, you need to be able to play whoever you sign in the left foot on a regular basis. Uh, there's a couple options you could do. Somebody mentioned Robbie Grossman coming off of one of his worst offensive years. Don't quite think that's going to be a signing that would move the needle for the Yankees. Um, Adam Duvall, right-handed hitter who strikes out a lot, doesn't necessarily feel like it's the best fit as far as what you need this person to do. I think uh, some better options would be a David Peralta. He's a left-handed hitter. He can platoon against right-handed pitching. Uh, his career line against righties is 294, 354, 86. 
So he would give you something. Uh, one, defensively, he'd give you something. He's a, at least an average defender in left. But he would be able to give you a left-handed bat that could hit righties. Uh, Jerickson Profar is another guy, switch hitter, so he can give you both a lefty and a righty batting profile. But very good contact ability, good defense from Jerickson Profar. The issue you have is the power ceiling is pretty limited. So if you do it via free agency, that's kind of where you are. Uh, If you're looking at trade, and there were some reports that came out on Thursday about the Yankees have been in contact with the Pittsburgh Pirates about Brian Reynolds. I think MLB.com's Palmer Rossi reported that. Brian Reynolds obviously has requested a trade. Uh, He would be an all-star in 2021, plays center, can play obviously left or right, would be exactly what you needed, but there are a couple couple hang-ups with a potential deal here. Something that the Pirates have supposedly asked for in this deal is one, they want a Juan Soto-type package, which, I'm sorry, Brian Reynolds is not worthy of a Juan Soto-type package. But two, they're also looking for pitching that is close to the majors. And I feel like that's the thing that is not necessarily a strength of the Yankees system. Can you piece together a package with like a Medina and a Gill and things like that? You can do that. But the strength of the Yankees organization is position players and specifically infielders right now. Kind of looking at, I mean, just some of the high-level guys like a Cabrera, a Peraza, Volpe. There's plenty of options in the high, like in the high minors that are elite that you could move one of them in a deal. Uh, but the Pirates want, you know, want pitching prospects that are close to the majors. I don't think it's a good fit. And ultimately, sometimes the best deal is the deal you don't make. I really think Yankees fans need to not try to make a deal for Brian Reynolds. They, they want too much. It's going to be an overpay. Uh, the price may come down mid-season if it turns out that uh, that they are the Pirates are not doing nearly as well as they expected, and he is disgruntled and it is hurting the team. They may take less to ship him out mid-season. Uh, a couple other options you could look at: Max Kepler from Minnesota is on the block since they went out and signed Joey Gallo. Would be wild that you guys tried to get, you know, the Yankees tried to get rid of Gallo and then bring in the guy who Gallo took his job. But Max Kepler's available. They do need something at shortstop since they did not sign Carlos Correa. They did not bring him back. And there's been discussion about whether or not their big shortstop prospect uh, will, will be ready to start the year on time or not after his ACL tear. So you have an option there. You could move a guy like an Isaiah Kiner-Falefa so that you could have an option there, you know, to get an outfielder. Arizona reportedly is looking at moving one of their outfielders. They've got a bunch of left-handed hitting outfielders. Dalton Varsho, my favorite of the three, but Jake McCarthy, Alec Thomas, who's a center fielder who has been moved over to a corner because of Corbin Carroll being there. And he profiles more as a center fielder, so... Uh, would give you flexibility as well. Supposedly, I, I think this might actually be a better fit. Supposedly, what Arizona's looking for is a right-handed hitting infielder. And so, I think there is a possible package here. The dream would be to get rid of Josh Donaldson, the $21 million it's owed to him for 2023. There's a $6 million mutual option for 24. The dream would be to move that deal. I don't know if Arizona would take that deal. 
But Gliber Torres is absolutely a, a an option that you could move to give them a right-handed hitting infielder who can play, you know, second or third base. Nine million dollar salary is what he's projected to get this year in arbitration. It's his it's arb three. He's uh, as a super two player. He has four years, so there's another year of team control after this. Um, ultimately, I think that's something where they could plug him in uh, at second base if they needed to. They could plug him in. If they wanted to try it at third, he could back up at first behind Christian Walker. A couple different options. That may be something that works out. But I think ultimately, you don't have to make this deal because you do have internal options. And Aaron Hicks exists. I'm not saying Aaron Hicks should be the guy. I think we've learned by now Aaron Hicks is not the guy. But I absolutely do think Oswaldo Cabrera can be the guy. Oswaldo Cabrera played in right field last year. Uh, later in the year, got a 40-ish games in right field and just about led the team in outfield assists. He can play literally anywhere on the diamond. I've never seen him at catcher, but I'm willing to bet he can do it. Uh, so if he can handle right field at an above average level, rack up plenty of defensive assists, he can definitely handle left field. I... I understand the argument of some of his value is in that defensive versatility of, yes, he can play uh, left field, but he's more useful as an everyday option at short, at second, at third, and right field, at first base, backing everybody up. But right now, look at what you have. You have uh, Peraza, who should be up, and the starting shortstop. You have Gliber Torres, you have Josh Donaldson, you have Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, you have Anthony Volpe coming. You have plenty of infield options where you will have an extra guy. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa can be your utility guy at a couple different positions because he should not be starting over Peraza at short or over Volpe at second. And then Oswaldo Cabrera can be your plan A in left field And he's going to give you above average defense and he's going to handle his bat at the plate just fine. So do not make a dumb trade and give up way too much for Brian Reynolds. Maybe go out and sign one of those guys like a David Peralta and then plan on Oswaldo Cabrera being the guy in left field. In just a minute, I do want to cover some of the trade candidates uh, that are out there and their likelihood of getting moved to fill some of the holes now that the top free agents are gone right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. Okay, and we're back. So the top free agents are off the board now. The top 25 or so, the best guys that are left are the guys who have flaws, like a Michael Conforto. And so if you're trying to figure out how to fill holes in your lineup, Uh, I've gone through a lot of the trade talk online and seen a lot of the guys that that people are asking about trading for and sorted everybody into buckets. There's slam dunk to get traded. There's a possible trade. And then there's like a long shot. I doubt it's going to happen, but you can always ask. So uh, we mentioned this earlier in the second segment, but... Diamondbacks outfielder. It is almost a slam dunk that a Diamondbacks outfielder will get moved. The Astros have already checked in on Dalton Varsho. Remember, he can play. He can be both a catcher and an outfielder. Although the Diamondbacks didn't have him catch a game after June, but 
He does still have fantasy eligibility at catcher and outfield. And then in the outfield, hit 27 home runs. I mean, is a very good, a plus defender in the outfield who has the ability to fill in at catcher from time to time. I do think he would work out if the, for instance, the Yankees wanted to go out and get an outfielder. The Astros wanted to have somebody who could not only fill in um, behind the plate as they work in the young guys, but also help out with Mike, you know, help out Michael Brantley out there in the outfield uh, would be a good option as well. A possible trade, not one that I'm sure that we'll see, but one that may happen is Bobby Dahlbeck. So the Red Sox DFA'd Eric Hosmer. They still have control of him though. He's being paid by the Padres. And then Tristan Cassis, their number two prospect, is ahead of him and is ready to go. Got a little bit of time last year, but is absolutely ready. And Bobby Dahlbeck has versatility defensively and minus last year, I mean, last year struggled once 117 games, 652 OPS, 12 home runs. Did not look great. But before that, 2021, OPS was almost 825 home runs. And he's actually better defensively at third base than at first base. The reason he's not playing third base is because Raphael Devers is there in Boston for however much longer he's there. But Bobby Dahlbeck can play first or third. So, uh, as I understand, the Rays have already checked in on the possibility of trading for Bobby Dahlbeck because he can give you defense, again, at first or at third base. And it feels like maybe a change of scenery and a little bit of coaching work can help unlock that 2021 uh, Dahlbeck over what we saw last year. Speaking of... Um, Raphael Devers, I've got him as a long shot to get traded. Obviously, we've kind of seen what's happened since Shine Bloom took over the, the Red Sox. Mookie Betts got traded. Xander Bogarts walked in free agency. Uh, but the Red Sox definitely are going to be feeling the pressure to re-sign Raphael Devers. Supposedly, he wants a large deal, like $300 million, similar to what some of the free agents, like a Trey Turner, like a Xander Bogarts, got this year. Supposedly, Boston is nowhere close to that. Uh, I think the I think the terminology that I saw, the quote that was going around, was galaxies apart. And so, if Boston kind of does what we expect and doesn't look that great early in the year this year, they may move him by the deadline, knowing that he is a rental unless you can extend him to a long to a long deal when you get him as you know, one of the conditions of the trade or talking to him once a trade's agreed to and getting an extension agreed to. So, long shot, but Raphael Devers may get moved later this year. A guy who I think is practically a slam dunk to get moved. We've heard chatter about it now. At the trade deadline last year, there was actually a proposal on the table, as well as plenty this offseason, is right-hand pitcher Pablo Lopez. Uh, Pablo Lopez is a guy that that has multi-years of team control, is a workhorse as far as can give you an entire season. Has been out there, has looked pretty good. I, I mean, I want to say top 50 pitcher in baseball as far as when you look at some of the advanced, the fielding independent pitching and things like that. Uh, so Marlins have a ton of needs. Uh, center fielder, a shortstop wouldn't hurt. And they're not as deep in their pitching prospect depth as they have been in the past. So it feels like Pablo Lopez absolutely... Uh, could get moved. Possible to get moved, I'm not sure, is something like Chris Flexen of the Mariners. 
the Mariners have tons of starting pitching depth. Obviously, they have Robbie Ray in a long-term deal. They traded for Luis Castillo, got him on a long-term deal. They called up Logan Gilbert. They called up, uh, you know, they have George Kirby in there. Marco Gonzalez pitched for them last year. Emerson Hancock is coming up. So lots of these guys, and they when they traded for Luis Castillo, they actually moved Chris Flexen to the bullpen. We've seen the Mariners make some trades. They traded for Colton Wong for second base. Uh, but, you know, they, they traded for, I believe it was Teoscar Hernandez for the outfield. They still have a need for a right-hand hitting corner outfielder who can also DH. And so I do think there is a deal that can be made uh, with, some, with some team. If you make a good enough package, you can go out and get Chris Flexen to be a starter for you, to be a, you know, a, number, a number four starter or so for you uh, by giving up a right-handed hitting corner outfield piece. Talking about a, a pitcher to get traded, but a long shot to get traded. One we've all talked about, Shohei Otani. The Angels have made moves to indicate that they are competing this year. They've, they've brought in multiple pieces to build a contender around Shohei Otani. This is his final year of team control. Uh, all indications are that he is looking to win. He's not satisfied with the fact that he's not been part of a winning team. And so... Uh, the Angels may are plan to contend, but they may be out of it coming up on the trade deadline, and they may have to realize if we don't move Shohei Otani the deadline, the only thing that we get back for it is draft pick compensation when the season's over. And as nice as it is to get what would be competitive balance round A to get a pick in that round, it would be much nicer to actually get to be able to choose your return and choose multiple prospects for him. So somebody that teams will check in on and there's a possibility later, but I don't think he's going to be in anybody's Christmas stockings as far as somebody to improve their team. Uh, Something I do feel like is pretty likely to happen, uh, almost a slam dunk to get traded, is a catcher from the Blue Jays. Danny Jansen feels like the one that's most likely to move. Uh, you know, now that you've seen Mike Zanino sign with Cleveland, you signed Christian Vasquez, signed with the Twins, Wilson Contreras is a Cardinal, the Braves have traded for Sean Murphy. This is the premier uh, place to get a catcher now. And we've seen many teams check in. The Diamondbacks have supposedly checked in. Uh, the Rays have checked in on a catcher. Uh, the Red Sox, the Cubs, the Astros, lots of different options. I feel like Danny Jansen, again, is the most likely one to get moved, but you could see something happen where uh, Gabriel Moreno or Alejandro Kirk, if the package is good enough, and that would be more like a Juan Soto package to get a guy like a Gabriel Moreno versus getting somebody like a Danny Jansen or Brian Reynolds. You're not getting a Juan Soto package for Brian Reynolds. A possible trade? Not sure if it's going to happen. We talked about them earlier in the show. Jorge Mateo of... The Orioles, they are, the Orioles are insistent that they're going to play Gunnar Henderson at shortstop. And so Jorge Mateo is a guy that appears to be expendable now that you have an option at second base and you have an option at shortstop. I want to say he led the American League in steals last year, plays above average to plus defense, can work anywhere in the infield. You absolutely, uh, you, you absolutely could use him. He could be a piece that they trade away to try to find another pitcher and improve that rotation where they're not having to count on a John Means coming back from Tommy John. Uh, and then a long shot, but I could see it happening, would be 
Salvador Perez. Uh, it has been a while since the Royals were competitive. They do have a young pitcher and a young catcher in MJ Melendez who is absolutely ready right now. He was a top 100 prospect entering the year. He looked very good last year and played in a ton of games because they would put him in the outfield and left field as well as DH him just to get him in the games. So there is a possibility that with the right type of package, you could pry Salvador Perez out of Kansas City. So that might be another catcher option if you fail to get one of the guys from the Blue Jays. That can be your desperation option is bring in um, bring in veteran Salvador Perez. He's under contract through 2025. Uh, 2026 is an option year. Played in 65 games last year. Hit 16 home runs. Had a had a OPS of just over, I think it's just over 700. Uh, the only thing here, the only downside to this, or makes it tough, I guess, is he has 10 and 5 rights. He spent 10 years in the big leagues, five with the same team, and therefore can veto any trade proposal because of the 10 and 5 rights. So you have to make sure that, like, not just anybody can go out and get Salvador Perez, but uh, I'm pretty confident for the right type of package and to the right team, he would waive those to be willing to go. Fantastic week this week. You guys enjoy the holidays. We'll be back next week. And until then, Merry Christmas. This has been Locked on MLB Prospects. 